we like to think that we are the product of our own choices and our own efforts, but we all have to admit that we have been shaped uh, for good or for ill by those who have gone before us. Sure, you can improve your health uh, through diet and exercise. Uh, It might be able to add some years to your life, but you also uh, have a certain genetic makeup that you inherited. Maybe that's to your benefit. Maybe you've got a great metabolism or a strong immune system. Or maybe you are more likely than not to have cancer or heart disease. You have a certain amount of control over your life when it comes to being a hard worker, a faithful employee, but when the executives in corporate decide the company needs restructuring, you may find yourself either promoted or downsized. So much of the shape and direction of our lives comes from the decisions and actions of others in countless ways for good or for ill, but none more important than what we will see tonight from Romans chapter 5. And typically in this kind of sermon, I I just do a a shorter sermon, and I'm not saying it's going to be really long, but it's going to be a little bit longer than a normal Good Friday service because we're keeping this in our series from the book of Romans uh, called Glory in the Gospel. And so I would love for you to have your Bibles open. I'd like to ask maybe the lights would come up as well to let you be able to see uh, your Bibles this evening or the Pew Bible that we have uh, provided for you. And turning to Romans 5, uh, Romans chapter 5, and our text will be verses 12 to 21. If you don't know where that is, uh, you can find the page number for the Pew Bible in the uh, order of service on the program that you received as you came in. Romans chapter 5, and there'll be an outline on the back of the program as well. In, the, in a way, this passage that we'll look at this evening covers all of human history, from the beginning of creation and the very first human being, Adam, to the great turning point of history in the person of Jesus Christ. Their decisions, their actions, shaping our lives today and even for eternity. We can summarize the message this way. Again, it's there in the outline. Adam's sin brought us death, but Jesus' death brings us life. That's simple enough to understand, right? Maybe you knew that well enough coming in. Let's see this from Romans chapter 5. Adam's sin brought us death, but Jesus' death brings us life. That's why I love to call this day Good Friday. But to get to the good news of life, we have to take a hard look at death. So let me just read for us Romans 5 verses 12 to 14. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. This is our first part this evening. Death reigned. Adam's disobedience in the garden brought sin and death to all people. Now, I rarely get the opportunity to preach uh, the same passage of Scripture more than once, but I did actually use this text on a Good Friday uh, nine years ago, 2013. And while this is a new sermon I'm giving you this evening, I'm going to reuse one little part that I wrote back then. I said, 
If you sat down to watch the news or pull up your favorite website and saw that there was an epidemic, a global pandemic, tens of thousands already dead, millions infected, found everywhere, you know the Center for Disease Control, the World Health Organization, would be identifying the disease, its characteristics, and its source in order to identify a solution. That was me in 2013. I was imagining, not predicting, uh, a pandemic. And no matter your perspective on the last two years, I mean, sin is something of a global pandemic, even though it is not a virus. Sin and death have spread to everyone. In fact, every day around the world, I looked look this up just today, 166,279 people die every day. Uh, imagine the, the Rockford metro area wiped out every day. That's a reality in our world. With that kind of crisis, we would want to know, wh- where, what is the source? Uh, where did this come from? H- how does it spread? Is there anything we can do to stop it? What measures are we willing to take? This, didn't, this, this pandemic didn't, didn't start in some open-air market or leaked from a secret laboratory. It came from a garden. From one man to all men. From one human being to all humankind, Adam is the one through whom sin came into the world. You can read about it in the third chapter of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. Uh, Adam and Eve placed in the Garden of Eden, given everything they needed to, to serve God and to rule the world under His good authority. Instead, they chose to disobey God, to defy His authority, to trust their own wisdom rather than His word. And through our first parents, death came to every individual, everyone also having sinned. Now, that's easy enough to understand from verse 12. Verses 13 and 14, a little more confusing. It's referring to the law given through Moses to Israel, from God through Moses to Israel, thousands of years after the events of Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Uh, the law given through Moses, think, think Ten Commandments for short. Uh, you may be more familiar with those. Now, right was right and wrong was wrong long before the law was given, but sin was, it, these verses say, sin was not counted. Uh, that is, the real violation was not fully registered. But even so, death reigned all the same. From Adam to Moses, death reigned over all who didn't live in the Garden of Eden, all who didn't have direct commands given to them by God. Adam's sin led to their sin, and their sin led to death. Every single one. Death rate, 100%. It would seem that we still live in that world where sin reigns, where death reigns. Sin reigns, I mean, thieves, hackers, traffickers, war criminals, Subway shooters, death reigns, crematories, cemeteries, and bloody streets in Ukraine. Sin reigns, death reigns. Is there, is there ever a day goes by that there's an edition of the, of the uh, Sauk Valley News or the Rockford Register Star that doesn't have a police report, that doesn't have a listing of obituaries? Is this just how it is? And how it's always going to be, what hope is there? Oh, some might say, well, someday we'll, we'll, we'll develop the technology that will allow us to upload our consciousness into a robot or a virtual reality. 
and then we'll all live forever. I don't think that's good enough. I don't think that's the hope that we're meant to have. Verse 14 says, Adam was a type of the one who was to come. There was an anticipation, an expectation of someone to come later on. In fact, the first anticipation of that is right there in the same chapter of Adam and Eve's first sin, Genesis 3. The expectation that God would send someone who would crush the head of the serpent who led them into sin. Adam was a type of the one who was to come. What that means for him to be a type is that it was, there's a, a pattern or, or a profile uh, of that first sinner, Adam, that also fits the final Savior that God promised, that is, Jesus Christ. But as we're going to hear in this next section of the, the text, the one who was to come was Jesus, and if Adam was the type the, the first in this pattern or profile, we could say that Jesus both fits the mold and breaks the mold at the same time. So, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. This is part two. Free gift. And we already looked at Adam's disobedience, remember, in the garden. Brought sin and death to all men, all people. Christ's obedience on the cross brings righteousness and life to all people. Now, as we've been saying, at one level, Paul is emphasizing how Adam and Jesus are exactly alike. One man by one act impacting many people. And that's where the similarities end. Right? Adam in the garden was, uh, in the phrase of verse 19, one man's disobedience. Other words used in this section, transgression. He crossed the line or trespassed. He went out of bounds or went where he did not belong or sin. He missed the mark. On the other hand, Christ on the cross was one man's obedience in that same verse, verse 19. Philippians 2, Paul, the same writer as here, Paul describes Jesus as obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the one act of righteousness, the one act of obedience that Paul is talking about. Many, many ways, of course, that Jesus obeyed his heavenly Father. Many ways that Jesus did what was right consistently all the time, but the one act of obedience we're talking about here is his death on the cross. We're, that's what we're here tonight to remember. If there was ever a day that you could say that death reigned, It'd have to be that one. Darkness at high noon, earthquakes, and the only human being 
not infected by, not infested with Adam's sin. No pride, no greed, no lust, envy, sloth, gluttony. Did I get all the seven deadly sins there? Um, None of those. And yet, Jesus seemed to be just one more casualty of the havoc wreaked on this world by Adam's sin. But there's more to the story. See, with Adam and Jesus, you have to compare and contrast. Where Adam refused to carry out God's will, seizing control for himself, Jesus carried out God's will when he gave up his life. Where Adam Where Adam's trespass brought condemnation, the inevitability that we would be found guilty at the final judgment, Jesus' one act of righteousness brought justification. Not only does his death penalty, death, pay the penalty for our sin, clearing our record, verse 17, we receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. This is how we can have a righteous standing at the final judgment. And then instead of death reigning over the world, Instead of death reigning over us, when we've received this grace, this righteousness, we will reign in life. And remember, that's, that's exactly what Adam and Eve, what the human race was created for, to reign in life over this world that God has made. All of human history turns on these two men, Adam and Jesus. When it comes to Adam, uh, I'm sorry, but... You and I really don't have a choice. If you're a human, guess what? You're from Adam. And you've been impacted by his sin. You've inherited his sin nature as proven, demonstrated by the sins that you and I commit. We have all sinned and we all face death. So when it comes to Christ, does it work the same way? I mean, verse 18 says, one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So, we're all good then, right? It's just, we automatically inherit this uh, redemption. We all end up in the good place after we close our eyes one last time. If you've been with us through the series in Romans, or if you take some time this evening to go back and read through these first five chapters of this letter, you'll see that when Paul talks about all men or all people, he's referring to all kinds of people and more specifically to both Jews and Gentiles, all people. Um, Even though Jesus came as the promised Messiah to the Jews, he is the Savior of all all people, the Savior of the world, all people who look to Him in faith. Or as Paul put it back in chapter 3, Romans 3, 23 and 24, just as all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, so also all can be justified by God's grace, saved from God's wrath at the final judgment by trusting that one man, Jesus, and that one act of righteousness, his atoning sacrifice. It's not automatically inherited, uh, sorry to say, like Adam's sin was. But anyone and everyone can receive this benefit. You can gain the benefit of what someone else did for you a long time ago on this Good Friday. When you look to him in faith, today. Now, if Jesus is where your faith rests, 
where your hope lies, then we can celebrate what Paul has been saying. In one sense, Adam and Jesus are exactly the same, but praise God, they are also completely opposite. But just read, let me read this part once more, uh, starting with verse 15, and then take it all the way to the end. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous." Now, the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes. Somebody said amen. Anybody else? Yeah? Amen. Yeah, that's, that's a good, it's good for that to be true. We want it to be true. Thank God it's true. This is the last part. Grace reigns. This gift through Christ means God's grace overrules sin and death. So twice in that middle paragraph, verses 15 to 17, um, Paul says that these two men and their two acts are not like each other, even though he's set them up in comparison well, like, they're the same, but they're not like, this is not like that. What Jesus does is much more, a phrase he uses a couple of times as well. But you're thinking, you're reading, you're trying to put this together. How's, how's that true, though? How is it, Jesus, what he did, much more if Adam's sin and death affected every human being, but Jesus' sacrifice impacts only those who put their faith in him? Well, the work of Jesus is not greater in terms of its scope or extent. I mean, think about it. Even if Jesus' death paid for the sin of every single individual, it would still only match the extent of Adam's failure, not exceed it. It's much more in terms of, a, of the better outcome, of course. Uh, instead of condemnation, there's justification. Instead of death, there's life. Instead of being under the reign of death, we reign in eternal life. But I think there's more to this much more. There's another way that what Jesus did is much more. You have to look beyond the, the simple comparison. Well, some believe, some don't. Some die, some live. It's, it's this. It's that some of the very same people who were condemned in Adam are now justified in Christ. Some of the very same people who were doomed to die in Adam now have the hope of life in Christ. Jesus' death for us overcomes Adam's death that was given to us. There is no sin that cannot be forgiven. There is no sinner that cannot be redeemed. 
Do you see how much more it is? It would be one thing to say, well, some make it, some don't. Some are forgiven, some not. Uh, Jesus is able to save some, but some, you know, it just doesn't, he he can't can't do anything about that. There's There's some stains you can get out of the carpet, and there's some stains that you just live with. No. There, Jesus' death is effective. It is powerful. It overcomes the penalty of death. It overcomes the power of death. The reign of death is broken. And He reigns. Grace reigns. We reign in Him. As the old song put it, there's grace that is greater than all my sin. Paul circles back then at the end of this chapter to talk about the law again. And, you know, that's, that's something we're like, what's, why is he bringing up the law again? We either tune out or maybe we get sidetracked on some discussion about how the Old Testament uh, applies to uh, the New Testament believer or something like that. But just try to make this simple. The law, and again, shorthand, let's just think Ten Commandments. The law didn't solve the sin problem. The sin epidemic, the sin pandemic, the, the sin and death global pandemic, the law didn't help. It didn't solve the sin problem. In fact, it only highlighted just how bad we were, just how sinful we were. In many cases, in fact, it triggered more sin in us. Uh, we'll see this in chapter 7. But, but just think about how, how messed up are we if the law only triggers more sin in us. Like, like don't do that. Oh, well, now I want to do it. That, that's, that's in us. And it's ugly. Thanks, Adam. And as Paul has been saying over and over in this letter so far, we can't justify ourselves. We can't gain a righteous standing through the law, through our obedience to the law. We can't undo our sin. We can't make up for our sin. We can't do enough good things that would somehow outweigh all the bad things. The works of the law will not justify anyone. So for all the ways that we want to believe that our decisions and our dedication determine our destiny, we can't save ourselves by doing the right things. It's it's impossible, for one. It, it, It just won't work. Our only hope, then, is not the law, but in the grace of God. That, this is why Jesus is, what He does for us is much more. Think of it this way. We earned our guilt and shame, but our righteousness and life is a free gift. We, we earned our condemnation and death, forgiveness, freedom, welcome into the family, welcome into life forever in the presence of God, the hope of glory, that's a free gift. You can't earn it. It's what he gives. It's grace, grace, grace. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where the law came up short, grace reached all the way. This gift through Christ, means God's grace overrules sin and death. When grace reigns, we reign with Him. Death reigns no longer. And you don't have to wait to Easter to start to celebrate.
Would you pray with me? Father, we, we are humbled. Humbled to think that you came for sinners like us. Grateful for your grace. We praise you for your wisdom, for for all that was in your heart to, to weave such a story of redemption and to weave us into it. Thank you. I pray that there would be none here tonight that would leave not knowing that they too have come under the reign of grace into the life that you give. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.